again, what is this? We are selling short puts in the portfolio and doing this with a fundamental bottom-up risk control produces returns that were really right in the belly of that equity bucket, again, between that five and 10%. And interestingly, it produces those returns that less than half the volatility of the equity markets. You're listening to IBKR Podcasts. Find more conversations at ibkrpodcasts.com. Please remember any trading discussions are for information purposes only and are not intended to portray recommendations. Please listen to further disclosures at the end of today's episode. Now, welcome to our show. Hi, everyone, and welcome to IBKR Podcasts. I'm your host, Jeff Praisman, Interactive Broker, Senior Trading Education Specialist. It's my pleasure to welcome back Todd Hawthorne and discuss why the 60-40 classic allocation strategy is broken and how an investor can use volatility to add yield and diversity to their portfolio. Todd's been trading and managing equity and equity derivatives for over 20 years. He began his career at Morgan Stanley, designed and managed the Redwood Alternative Yield Strategy at Boston Partners, and most recently launched Frontier Alpha Money Management and Consulting, which seeks to provide volatility as a source of yield for investors and uses AI and machine learning to analyze and project volatility and manage risk. Welcome, Todd. Thank you for joining us. It's great to have you back in the studio. Thanks for having me, Jeff. Appreciate it. I'm really excited for today's topic. Let's start off with, you know, what exactly is the 60-40 allocation and where did it come from? Uh, sure, that's a great question. The 60-40 the asset allocation was actually popularized by Jack Bogle, um, who was the founder of Vanguard. And very simply, this portfolio it consists of 60% in equity exposure and 40% in fixed income. And it's been a stable, a staple, I should say, of basic portfolio construction for, for decades now. And up until recently, this strategy has worked very well, primarily because when equities have experienced volatility, the fixed income side of the portfolio has provided some downside cushion. But uh, over the last few years, this relationship has begun to break down. So why do you think the 60-40 um, allocation is challenged? It seems that this traditional asset allocation is, is under duress in the current marketplace. Um, first, let's take a look at the fixed income side of the equation. And it's really challenged due to the coordinated easing from central banks. And that's happened over the last 10 years. Uh, for example, in 1995, the 10-year was trading at 9.5%. And over the next 10 years, essentially trended to zero, where we were actually experiencing negative real rates. And this fall in yield, it was a long, long, long trend. And we're now in a situation where yields are rising and the Fed is raising rates. And also fixed income volatility pricing, the, the pricing of those assets is experiencing extreme volatility. So remember that in fixed income, as rates rise and the Fed is raising rates, the value of your current bonds declines. And, you know, again, these are very, very long trends and it's going to take a long time to unwind. But what's been happening is that as volatility increases in fixed income and as rates are rising, what we're seeing is that the fixed income side of that 60-40 asset allocation is actually becoming correlated with equities and is not providing 
a hedge against those equity returns anymore. Um, and then secondly is the current valuation of the 60% or the equity markets. Equities also benefited from the global easy money doctrine uh, because uh, money was so free and so readily available, risk assets were inflated. And now we find ourselves in a rising risk environment, uh, excuse me, a rising rate environment, which tends to portend uh, declining economic activity, potential recession, lower earnings as that economic activity declines. That usually results in lower multiples and higher volatility in that asset class. And this is occurring um, right now when valuations are actually still quite elevated and earnings estimates haven't been properly adjusted yet. So we have 40% of that asset allocation and fixed income, which used to not be correlated to equities, but is currently at the moment, where we are in a situation of rising rates. Um, and as rates go up, the value of those fixed income assets go down. And equities right now are very expensive and we're looking into the teeth of at least lowered economic activity, if not in fact a recession. And usually what happens is equity valuations decline during those periods. So both sides of the 60-40 asset allocation are under duress at the moment. So it really seems that this, you know, this classic quote safe, unquote safe um, long-term investment strategy, you know, is is no longer performing efficiently or the way it's supposed to. So, so what do you think the solution to the current situation is? I believe actually that volatility as an asset class is at least a partial solution to the problem. And I term volatility as a true frontier asset. And what do I mean by that? Uh, it comes from the Markowitz idea of efficient frontier. And volatility as an asset class has a number of desirable characteristics. It has returns that are in the equity market bucket uh, and a volatility of returns that skews towards the fixed income side of the equation. Uh, so what does that mean? It means it's very advantaged from a risk return perspective. Uh, it's also one of the most mean reverting assets which means that it delivers those returns in a very, very consistent way. And the last attribute is that it tends not to be highly correlated with either fixed income nor equity over time. So putting volatility as an asset class into, into one's asset allocation, number one, provides superior risk-adjusted returns. So it improves the Sharpe ratio and Sortino ratio of your portfolio. And Maybe more importantly, it really delivers true diversification benefit because it isn't correlated to that either side of that traditional 60-40 asset blend. Um, I personally tend to recommend that a volatility strategy occupy over 10% of an asset allocation, but uh, in my work, benefits are realized with allocations as low as 5%. You really see that diversification benefit and improvement in risk-adjusted returns. So, so how do you create volatility as an asset class then? And, and you know, where exactly did you come up with this idea? Yeah, it, it came out of uh, the crisis in 2008. I was speaking with investors and they were 
they were really speaking with a singular voice. They had these actuarial assumptions for their asset allocations, which were frankly just not being met. Um, I'll pick on equities, for instance. The default return for an equity asset is usually approximately 7%. However, equities really never return 7%. They swing wildly through that mean. They can go up 20% one year and then down 20% the next. Uh, and in that situation, that actually means that you're losing principal. So depending on when you're retiring, uh, that downside volatility can become a real problem because you don't have the time to earn your way out of that. And this is especially true if the 40% of your fixed income portfolio becomes correlated on the downside as it has over the last few years. So I started thinking about that. What are clients really asking for? Well, they're asking for consistent returns. And so I thought about what are the attributes for consistent returns and, and how could we provide that? And I chose to define that with really three very important investment tenets. And the first is that it had to produce returns that were consistent with equity. So I define that as somewhere in that five to 10% bucket. And secondly, it had to provide those returns at a greatly reduced volatility. Uh, another way to say that is at much lower risk and with more consistency than equity as a whole. And lastly, the last attribute is that it had to have a built-in hedge to the instrument itself so that investors could stand a very good chance of keeping their principal during periods of market stress. So when I was looking around for ways to create a portfolio that had these three attributes, I came across a, a clue which came from reading a, a 1974 Robert Merton article where he examines the credit risk of a given company using equity options and equity options are, are my background. And in this article, uh, calls are a stand-in for equity exposure and short puts become a proxy for fixed income. Specifically, Merton equates short puts with a zero coupon corporate bond. And I took this idea and I applied a, a quantum ML bottom-up research approach to control risk to this and we, we'll describe the construction of, of these instruments in a moment. Um, but the outcome of this approach really satisfied the three investment tenets. So again, what is this? We are selling short puts in the portfolio and doing this with a fundamental bottom-up risk control produces returns that were really right in the belly of that equity bucket, again, between that five and 10%. And interestingly, it produces those returns that less than half the volatility of the equity markets. So again, you're doubling your return per unit of risk. If, if this approach uh, yields that 7% return, the half the volatility, that's again, doubling your return per unit of risk, which is a pretty good place to start. Uh, and lastly, it has this embedded hedge that I talked about of approximately 20% built into the structure itself. And again, we'll describe exactly what that is. 
But what it means factually is that the average position in the portfolio can decline by 20% before any principal is at risk. Uh, and lastly, a zero coupon bond, the yields that are achieved in this structure are much higher than the corresponding zero coupon bonds that you would see of similar duration. So if you take a company and you look at a similar duration, zero coupon corporate bond, you might get uh, something on the order of two or 3%. And um, if you create synthetic yield using this approach of the same duration and the same risk, you're actually getting corresponding yields that are in the um, low double digits to, to low teens. So you're getting almost 10 times the amount of yield um, as you would in a traditional zero coupon corporate structure. And I just, I just want to take a step back real quick, just for our listeners that may not be, you know, familiar with options. You know, a call option is the right to buy the stock at a certain price and a put option when you buy a put is the right to sell a stock at a certain price. But selling a put would a if you selling the put, you would end up buying that stock at a certain price. So maybe Todd, if you could kind of walk through our listeners, maybe through an example of what you're describing and how it works and how the, and how selling puts creates yields, I think that would be great. Absolutely. Absolutely. So how does selling puts again, create this type of synthetic yield and, and what, what can you really do? So the first thing uh, is to find a company that you like uh, from a fundamental basis. Um, you like XYZ company and you think that there is value in that name. And then what we tend to do is we take a Murphy's law approach to that company. Um, just by virtue of the fact that the company has a stock price means that it is discounting the future in some way. And so what we do is we actually look at the model and say, what kind of a future, how rosy is that future that it's discounting? And if that stock does not achieve the expectations embedded in the model, where will that find valuation support? And another way to say that is, um, if everything goes wrong in the Murphy's Law approach, where will that stock, where will all that bad news be baked into the stock price? And in this example, let's say we buy uh, XYZ stock is trading at $100. And we again, look at the model and say, what can go wrong if it does? Where will the risks be out of that name? And in this example, let's say that's $85. So what we can do is we can sell that 85 strike put. Um, and again, in that example, let's say we sell that with a three month duration for $5. What the investor is really committing to is that at any stock price above 85 at expiration, that investor is going to collect the $6. So how much is that risk? Um, well, it's 85. If the stock below trades below 85 or down 15%, the investor is committing to buying that stock at $85. So one way to look at that is you're buying the stock at a 15% discount. Um, and if it doesn't achieve that downside volatility, then the investor is getting a $5 yield, five into 85 is approximately a 6% return. 
So that's kind of interesting as a one-off, but where it really starts to make sense is if you create a diversified portfolio of these assets, diversified across time, across strike price, and across sectors. What kind of attributes does this portfolio have? Well, number one, um, it has a built-in hedge, right? Um, stock is trading at $100, and it can go down by 15% before uh, you have to commit any capital to the name. In fact, the stock can go down all the way to 79, uh, excuse me, all the way to $80 because you've taken in that extra $5 from the put. So your principal is protected all the way down 20% to that $80 level. So number one, built in hedge to these instruments. Number two, uh, is that it's providing approximately a 6% yield on an ongoing basis. Uh, and number three, as we can get into, the probabilities of achieving that yield are much, much higher than um, achieving a positive return just by buying that stock itself. So, um, you know, you, you kind of ended that with the, with the probability of achieving this is, is you know, much higher. Could you kind of go into more detail about how that works? I mean, I, you know, you mentioned obviously the, the distribution between strike prices and time, you know, but sort of, could you explain how this becomes, gives the investor more of a chance to achieve this goal of, this, of, the, of the better return versus the old classic um, fixed income investment? Sure, absolutely. So um, I was trained as an equity analyst and um, what we know about equities is that if the stock that you're picking goes up a dollar, you make a dollar. And if the stock that you're picking goes down a dollar, you lose a dollar. Uh, and if you look over time, the world's best equity and analysts have a, a hit ratio or a success ratio of approximately 55%. These are the best analysts in the world. So they have a, again, approximately a 55% chance of being right. If you just start, if you just look at the distribution of a stock price and the distribution of a, an average stock has something called about a 20 volatility. And what that means is that if the stock is trading at $100, that 20 volatility means that one standard deviation of the time, or 68% approximately, that stock price will be within $120 and $80. So um, its price, 68% of the time, will be somewhere in that distribution. Um, so the first thing we're doing is we're using that distribution to our benefit. Um, the stock can't both be uh, at 120 and 80 simultaneously. So the probability that that stock realizes a price below 80 automatically rises to approximately 84% from 68. So we're using what we call single vector analysis and saying, I don't care whether that stock goes up. I don't care whether that stock goes sideways. I don't even care whether that stock 
uh, goes down, as long as it doesn't go down below that strike price, um, by concentrating on that single vector and that one data point, which is again, what is its intrinsic value? Where will the risks be out of that name? Automatically and structurally improves your hit rate from roughly 50-50 to 84%. Uh, further to that, you can actually improve those odds by applying fundamental bottom-up research. So another way to say that is investing in Procter & Gamble is very different than investing in Tesla, right? They have, they have different um, trading attributes, they have different volatilities, they have different risks on the downside. And by setting that strike price appropriately for each and every underlying company, you again improve your odds. And in our work, those odds improve from, again, mathematically roughly 84% to roughly the low 90s. Uh, and then at uh, Frontier Alpha, we actually, we can talk about this later as well. We apply a, um, we apply a pro forma volatility estimate to the market and we have a variable hedge that further immunes the portfolio from uh, black swan events or big downside risk. And again, that, um, that hit ratio is improved from the low 90s to the mid to high 90s. So you can either look at this from a, an equity perspective and you can pick stocks uh, and you have a 50-50 chance of being correct, or you can create through put sales this volatility, these volatility instruments or these volatility yield instruments. Um, and your ratio, your hit ratio can be as high as uh, the mid to high 90s. So that's that's really what, what we're attempting to do is widen out those goalposts. Again, um, if you're just picking a stock, your goalposts are basically $0 wide. If the stock goes up, you make money. If the stock goes down, you lose money. Um, in, in this approach, in using volatility as an asset class, um, no matter how much the stock goes up, you're going to realize that yield. And in fact, the stock can decline in our prior example. It can go down by 15% and the yield on that instrument doesn't change at all. And in fact, you're principally protected down 20%. So the stock can decline by 20% before any um, principal is at risk. So in our terminology, those goalposts are extremely wide. Um, the stock can go anywhere from infinity on the upside to down 20% before your investment is at any risk of principal. And because of that, your, your probability of success improves dramatically. So you're really, you know, through this, through this investment strategy, it, it's really allowing the um, the investor the the approach to really give a much greater chance of success, of you know, of creating that value down the road, you know. But I want to kind of touch on something you said earlier, like, you know, how does Frontier Alpha take this approach a step further in terms of risk management? Absolutely, that's a good question. Um, over the uh, last several years we have developed a proprietary quantum mental approach uh, that combines 
equity fundamentals. So we're actually looking at the, the fundamentals of every given company. And then we're combining that uh, with what we call proximal volatility. Uh, and the best metaphor for proximal volatility is weather. So here we are uh, in, in the middle of winter. And when it is, uh, when it is zero degrees outside, um, the concept is that it is very unlikely that we're going to have a sunny day in the high 90s tomorrow. And we use AI and machine learning uh, and a quantum mental approach to develop an estimate for pro forma volatility for the marketplace. Um, and it uses this concept again of proximal volatility or weather to say um, the status of the market today is very likely to be the status of the market tomorrow. Or if there is a huge storm on the Doppler radar, um, it is likely to rain. Uh, and so we use that to size that down, the size of the uh, downside hedge or the size of the um, black swan event hedge. So that, again, back to that example, if the stock does go below $85, at that point, the investor is hedged. And so it really just takes those black swan events off the table. And again, we found that that improves our, our, um, our hit rate from approximately 90% to approximately 95 or 96%. So um, terminally, not only is this way more consistent than either, um, than either long equity, um, or high yield, but it is also further immune from these big black swan events um, through our process of variable hedges. That's really interesting, you know, and it, it sounds like just from our conversation that, you know, due to kind of almost unprecedented market conditions, not, not as much right now, but over the past 20 years, as far as zero interest rates, 2008, um, you know, now the fact that rates are going up again, you know, everything kind of coming to a, to a, together here, you know, that classic approach, it seems like this, this kind of a new look on an old classic here where you're, where you're getting the outcome, you're giving yourself a much better chance to get the outcome that that classic approach had done in the past and, and actually a much, you know, potentially safer way to do it. I'd like to wrap it up with one last question. You know, how, how can investors use this technique in their own portfolios? Sure. Um, I, I actually think this, this technique is very amenable to, to people doing it um, in their own portfolios for themselves. Um, just a couple of, of comments about that, about what the investors are actually doing and, and how they can think about this. So again, back to that example, let's say that we have a stock and it's trading at $100. And it's a name that you like and a name that uh, the investor would like to purchase anyway. So if they take what I term a, a deep value approach and they ask themselves the, the following question, you know, pretend you're a deep value investor and where would you really like to buy that name because all the risks are out of the name. All the risks on the downside are, are baked in. All the bad news is baked in. 
And again, in this example, um, we're using 85. And so for the life of that investment, whether that be three months or six months or a year, whatever duration the investor chooses, um, that $85 level represents where they would be willing to purchase that stock. What's interesting about that is by deciding now that you're willing to commit capital should the stock reach 85, in exchange for that, you receive $6 or yield. And what's interesting about that yield or, or why that has such a big effect on an asset allocation is what is that yield? Well, um, in options terminology, it can be called theta or time value or excess volatility that is baked into the call price. But what it really is, is just cash. And the investor is going to realize that cash, uh, all $5 of it ratably between now and expiration at any strike price, any stock price above 85. So why, why is that interesting? And that is because, again, at any stock price above $85, there is zero equity exposure in this model, right? You, you are not actually committing any capital to equity or having any equity exposure to that name at, at expiration at any stock price um, equal to or above 85, right? So what, is really contributing to the alpha of the strategy, it's the excess volatility inside of those put options. And you are monetizing that over a really broad range of stock outcomes. Um, and so, you know, this volatility as an asset class, it's, it's really not equity and it's not fixed income, but it has attributes uh, or I should say a return stream that looks very much like equity over time. Uh, and looks very much like high yield over time, but the volatility of those returns because of the width of those goalposts is very low. So um, that's really important to think about when, when investors are doing this inside their portfolio, because it really is a separate asset class um, and it has all these positive attributes that we talked about. And so they should think about that in terms of sizing, how big, do I want my quote unquote volatility portfolio to be? And how can I do this on my own? How can I monetize this inside of my own portfolio? So the first is that decision of how big do we want volatility to be? Uh, again, I would recommend at least 5%. You'll see positive benefits. Um, it it, it uh, performs better or you get a, a larger benefit if you up that to 10% or over. And then the second thing just procedurally to do is again, can even be names in your existing portfolio that you like, that you would like to buy more of. So again, XYZ stocks trading at $100, you'd like to buy some more, but you'd like to buy some more at 85. Why? Because the risks are out of the name at that level. And so you can go and open up the options uh, information on interactive brokers, and you can see all of the put schedules that are there over the um, 
over all the durations that are available. And you know your level, which is 85. And so you can just take the, the value or the, uh, the bid price of those puts where you could sell them for each of those durations. Um, as you go further out in time, you will actually take in more money, but your annualized rate will be lower. And as you come in, you will take in less money, but your annualized rate will be higher. I usually find the sweet spot is somewhere around uh, between three and six months. Um, you take the bid price of that put, you divide that very simply into the strike price, and that is your corresponding yield. Uh, and so you can do this on just begin very simply. And instead of buying an additional 1% or 2% of the equities that are in your existing portfolio, again, on names that you already like, look to sell puts against them and create a yield stream against them and build up to a 5% a weighting of these volatility assets in your portfolio. And you should see an improvement in risk adjusted returns. No, that's that's great. Todd, thank you so much for coming by. Um, just remind our listeners, you can find previous podcasts with Todd Hawthorne on the Interactive Brokers website under education and scroll down the podcast or on the IPKR podcast channel and services such as Spotify, Podbeam, Amazon Music and Apple Music. Todd can be reached at LinkedIn at TGH28 or at Todd at FrontierAlpha.com. Thank you for listening. Until next time, I'm Jeff Praisman with Interactive Brokers. Thanks for listening to IBKR Podcasts. As always, we have more episodes at ibkrpodcasts.com. And if you're interested in learning more about interactive brokers, visit ibkr.com. We offer more trading education material, such as webinars at ibkrwebinars.com, financial and economic commentary at tradersinsight.news, market-related courses at tradersacademy.online, and quant-related articles at ibkrquant.com. Options involve risk and are not suitable for all investors. For more information, read the characteristics and risks of standardized options, or ODD, which may be accessed through the link found in the show's notes or podcast description page. The analysis in this material is provided for information only and is not and should not be construed as an offer to sell or the solicitation of an offer to buy any security. To the extent that this material discusses general market activity, industry or sector trends, or other broad-based economic or political conditions, it should not be construed as research or investment advice. To the extent that it includes references to specific securities, commodities, currencies, or other instruments. Those references do not constitute a recommendation by IBKR to buy, sell, or hold such investments. The material does not and is not intended to take into account the particular financial conditions, investment objectives, or requirements of individual customers. Before acting on this material, you should consider whether it is suitable for your particular circumstances and is necessary. See professional advice.